cult podcast features adult themes and graphic descriptions of violence, and it's not recommended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Seriously. If you like our podcast, please follow us on Instagram at Cult Podcast or Twitter at Cult Podcast Show for show updates. And please rate and review the show on iTunes. If you've been in a cult and you want to tell us about it, email us at cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And most importantly, enjoy the show. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley, and with me is my co-host, Marie Bella. Thanks for joining us today. So today we've got an interesting cult. It's one that's been in the news, and I guess traditionally wouldn't really fit our definition of a cult, but given the news coverage that it's gotten recently, and the details of the case once we got into it, we thought it was worth covering anyway. Uh, So today, we're talking about R. Kelly. Oh, God. Yeah. um, And I will, I'll be upfront, uh, I was an R. Kelly fan, like, hardcore. I mean, you were as of, like, a week ago, so this must be pretty intense. (laughs) Exactly. That's kind of the problem. Um, And and I didn't listen to him for the traditional reasons. Like, I was one of those people that was an ironic R. Kelly fan. Yeah. Where you're like, he's insane. This is great. Oh, God. His his songs are... (laughs) I've got got some lyrics. Okay, good, good, good. It's a lot. Um, So, we're using a couple different sources. We'll talk about them as we go through. Um, anytime there's cases like this where there's actual court cases and stuff involved, we try to find stuff that's as documented as possible. So we're using uh, his discography and lyrics, so his own songs, and we're using uh, one of Aaliyah's albums. R.I.P. Important. R.I.P. Where were you when you found out Aaliyah died? I was at school, actually. Oh. Yeah, and I, as a kid, was not really allowed to listen to modern music all that much. We okay. listened to oldies all the time. And so I was like, who? And then they were like, the dust yourself off and try again, lady. And I was like, oh, bummer. But then like had no real feelings about it. See, I'm confused because I was in Italy, not in school, like oh, on weird. vacation. So okay. I'm wondering like what, why yeah. <laughs> I was there. I was also always at school because my mom was a teacher. So like we'd oh. be in like daycare or vacation Bible okay. school during the summers and stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. We were, I saw it on the Italian news. Oh, interesting. I, Bald. Oh no! I was so upset. I was in London when Michael Jackson died. That was crazy. I remember that being nuts. I was sitting at this table, this round glass table I had in college, and it's when I was dating my college boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! And his friend was there, and I announced it, and they were like, "You're full of shit." I'm like, "No, I'm not." It says right here. It was like an argument. We got into a, right. a fucking brutal fight about it. I was like, yeah. "No, this he's dead." Yeah. No well, one believes me. It was during the summer. It was in between my sophomore and junior year. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds right. Anyway, so we'll be using one of Aaliyah's albums. Uh, we'll also be using R. Kelly's autobiography, Sola Costa, The Diary <laughs> of Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't believe he stole that from me still. I'm so mad. I know. It's the best title. If you're wondering, I did buy that from a a third-party seller so that I wasn't giving money directly to R. Kelly. Like, I found somebody. I bought it used. Oh, that's good. That's a... On purpose. That's that's a good way to do it. Yeah, especially now. Now I'm like, I'm really glad I stole one of those albums. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, we're also going to be going through uh, some of R. Kelly's video work. 
we'll get to it when we get to it, and multiple articles by the Chicago Sun-Times. So the Chicago Sun-Times has done probably the most comprehensive coverage of <clears throat> these cases. They're, they've been kind of on the forefront, in part because many of these cases take place in both Chicago and Atlanta, as we'll go through. Uh, going forward, I would prefer if you call it Hotlanta. Hotlanta. Um, I may or may not refer to him as Kells through the bulk of this. I would prefer it if you do. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Robert Sylvester Kelly, or Kells, Kells, was born in 1967 on the south side of Chicago. So, he's 50. Oh. Keep that in mind later. 50. 50. Okay. 5 uh, he was born to an extremely poor family. His mom had multiple children, all with different fathers, and Kells was the only one that didn't know his father. No. So when he would ask his mother about his father, she would be like, what do you need a father for? You have me. Hmm. So he and his mom have kind of a very concerning relationship. Oh. It reminded me a lot of um, Costanza's relationship in our Madden okay. episode. Where... It's like vaguely sexual. I mean, I can't prove that, and he doesn't say that, so I'm going to say no. But uh, she's definitely in some ways living vicariously through him. So she was a singer herself who never made it big. She would pretty much only sing at church, but reportedly had like a beautiful voice and was working like two jobs to try and keep them in a house and basically doing her best and... So he and her were very, very, very close. He talks about, like, before work, she would take him to McDonald's in the morning, and they didn't have enough money to get breakfast with both of them, so she would get a coffee, and he would get the hash brown. So she was a good mom. Yeah, I I would say she tried her best, is what I will say. Okay. Um, Unfortunately, because she... And, like, she gave him hash browns, she was a good mom. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Um, She gave him hash browns. Uh, Because she was working so often... A lot of times, um, Kells and his brothers were kind of left to their own devices, you know, to be cared for by the other family members of the house. Mm-hmm. So his grandparents, or his grandmother and step-grandfather, if you want to go with that, uh, lived upstairs and would constantly argue. And then he had a stuttering uncle that lived downstairs. And the reason I mention it is because a lot of these characters come up in his later work. Okay. So we'll get to it at the very, very end. But I mean, if you remember his family character makeup. Okay, so we've got so you've got arguing grandparents, arguing grandparents, stuttering uncle, stuttering uncle. He has a stepfather at one point named Lucius, and his stepfather and his mother fight a lot, constantly. So his only real relationships that he sees in his day to day life as a child are combative either single mothers or combative male-female relationships and like physical fighting like yeah yeah like not good like at one point his mom and lucius were fighting over lucius paying his part of the rent and he tried to get away in a car and closed her dress (gasps) in a car in the car door and dragged her for a couple blocks and wouldn't stop a car holy shit yeah it's it's messed up like real messed up yeah it's one of those things where if this was anyone else's biography, you would read it and be like, oh, no wonder this person became a serial killer. Oh, okay. It's, it's like that where you're like, oh, yeah. Um, so their living situation was chaotic, to put it mildly. Because they were left home, there was kind of like an open door policy for their house. So, like, 
aunties, uncles, friends, whoever were constantly coming through the house and just kind of using the house as a landing pad. So right around when he was about nine, he woke up on the couch and heard people in the bedroom. Most likely he heard them having sex. Opened the door. It was not people he knew, or at least doesn't say their names, doesn't give them any acknowledgement for who they are. And instead of having him leave, stop, they have him stay and take pictures. Oh my God. So this is from his autobiography too. So this isn't like rumors, like this right. is, he specifically talks about it. They started having him photograph them whenever they had sex. And then the woman started having him photograph just her. And then eventually one night he woke up to her molesting him orally. So that's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It's horrifying. And it's a pattern that's going to be important. So it's, it's real rough. And as I was kind of working through this, I talked to someone else who had essentially been abused in very much the same way, but they didn't end up as a serial abuser as an adult, but they even said they're like, even as an adult, you don't forget. Like of it stays not. with you for pretty much ever. Yeah. So it's real rough. Like it's it's not good. Like it doesn't absolve him of what he does later. No, on, of course not. But it's real, real rough. And that kind of cycle and that kind of progression usually is referred to as grooming. So by taking the photos first, they're kind of grooming him to be okay with more and more sexual activity. And he was essentially molested for a solid three or four years from the age of about probably 9 to 12. So his whole formative years yeah. were not good. Like, real not good. So that, I mean, it makes it a little less surprising later. Which totally. is not good. At a certain point, kind of in his not-quite-teens, R. Kelly learns that he's functionally illiterate. Oh. He is illiterate to this day. I'm trying to not remember if I knew that or not. You know what? I don't know. I So I learned it from reading his autobiography, and I was like, wait, then who wrote this then? Because there yeah. there's no one else credited on it. So then I had to go. Ghostwriter. I had to find the ghostwriter who has written many a, a rock and roll book, essentially. He, to date, cannot really read or write. Hmm. That explains a thing or two about his songs. It explains so goddamn much. <laughs> um, I, yeah, he, he, the only reason he stayed in school as long as he did, he dropped out right around his sophomore year of high school. The only reason he stayed in as long as he did is because he had a music teacher that like really took an interest in him and really wanted to basically hone his craft. Um, the only problem was he would just skip class and then play piano all day. Which is probably why he's such an accomplished musician. Yeah, he's pretty talented. He can't friggin' read, but, you know, any any song he can do. But that explains a lot of the things that, like, one of the reasons I listen to R. Kelly or, or watch Trapped in the Closet. Um, I love like, Trapped in the Closet. There's, there's a whole section on it later. Good. But a lot of it is because there's so many insane non-sequiturs. So many. Yes. So... And, and it only gets worse. But two of my favorites are, like, in Bump and Grind. Or, no, I'm sorry. It's not Bump and Grind. It's um, Ignition the Remix. That's one of Vanessa's favorite songs. I mean, I feel terrible 
Because up until like a week ago, it was one of my favorite songs, and now I cannot listen no, to it. No, don't ruin it. No, I like. Until, you know I'm going to until <laughs> until he does some sort of recompense for his crimes. I'm going to be real upset about it. What did he do? It's we're going to get okay. It's, it's a lot, but so there's a line in Ignition the Remix where he says, "We've got food everywhere," as if the party was catered. And right. I'm like, no, that's what catering means. That's what it is, yeah. That's, it's not as if it was catered. This, this party was catered. <laughs> this party was catered. <laughs> like, here's our business card. YouTube permits was as well. Yeah, he does a lot of, uh, it's almost like it's, um, uh, he's just kind of thinking out loud and turning it into a melody-ish. Here's, here's what's interesting. That is how he writes his songs. Okay. As, as I have found out in the last couple weeks. Um, because he doesn't really read or write. He is, it's almost like he's winging it. That's, every song sounds like that. Um, so I think he records them and then relearns them. But he was constantly writing songs and then remembering them. Because have you listened, you know the song Same Girl? Of course I do. Okay. Of course I pulled that video okay. shots from it. Okay, yeah, there's lyrics in that one. Yes. It's just like, you are just thinking out loud and making it a song. It'd be like, yeah. seriously, if I'm like, I think I'm going to go to Gilson's and get soup. Wait, no, I want salad. Yeah. That's like, it's. Yeah. Went to TBS. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Like, it's weird. Georgia Tech. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, did, right. I did pull Same Girl. It's Same Girl is very guilty of it. Here's what I want to know about Same Girl and many of the other duets. At some point, someone had had to transcribe it. Because otherwise, like, Usher would have been like, yo, Kels, when do I get those lyrics? And Kels was like, okay, just listen to me and remember. <laughs> Can you type? <laughs> <laughs> okay, get your phone out. Yeah. Which I find very funny. We'll get to one of his other duets later. And, and also, because he writes all of his own music, but he's also written a ton of music for a bunch of other people. Which will come into Has, Yeah, I have so many questions. I'll stop. Yeah, well, no, no. <laughs> the, the only other thing I was thinking of was uh, there's an even funnier non sequitur on his, I guess not his most recent album, but the album before that. There's a song called Marry the Pussy. Mm. I, yeah, uh-huh. Um, and at one point in the song, he says, sitting in VIP eating lobster crabs. Oh, okay. I I talk about lobster crabs all the time. I wondered where that came from. This this lyric has perplexed me for years. I wondered. Okay. So here's the thing. I can't decide if he does not know that lobsters and crabs are different crustaceans, (laughs) or if there are both lobsters and crabs, but it did not. He didn't have time to say both, or if he's rich enough. That there's a complete other animal that we don't know about <laughs> called the lobster crab, but it's lobster crabs eating lobster crabs. That's probably my favorite one. That okay? I wondered where you got that from. That that is that one. It was my my coworker gave me a copy of Black Panties, which is not the most right. recent album that's worn before. Um, and I feel bad for how much I love that album because that album is insane. Yeah, it is. Um, it's also like listening to that album. It's sexually explicit in a way that almost seems like a 14-year-old describing it. It is. And, and it was one of those things where I kind of used to laugh about it, where I was like, does R. Kelly not know how sex works? Yeah. He sings about sex all the time. And then in reading his book, no, he does not know how sex works. Right. He has no idea. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a section in the book where he's a full-blown teenager, like 16-ish, 
and he's sleeping with a girl in like a friend's house and she starts her period and he flips out because he did not even know that periods were a thing. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So his only, his, he had no sexual education from what I can surmise. So his only frames of reference are the molestation or what he's seen of other people or in porn. So that's what we're getting when we hear his crazy sex ramblings. <laughs> yeah. I'm just picturing like what the world would be like if people only knew sex from porn and how different it would be and how many more calls people would make to the electrician (laughs) (laughs) and the plumber (laughs) or or just like this pizza only has like sliced and dewy sausage on it this isn't what I expected (laughs) Um, yeah so it's there's a lot of you know troubling building blocks in this you Mm. know predator tower (laughs) (laughs) if you want to that was beautiful thank you um So he dropped out of school at about 15 and started singing on the street and would make hundreds of dollars a day. Yeah, it's kind of a voice. Yeah, it was kind of an amazing voice. So he was extremely successful, then started playing in clubs and eventually tried to make his way out to L.A., never really gaining traction in L.A. So he finally went back home to Chicago at about 20-ish, where he tried to audition for a play, but he couldn't read the script. Now... These plays are important. This isn't like Hamilton. He was auditioning for essentially their church plays. So they're plays that travel from church to church, usually musicals, usually written like specifically for a church crowd. They're usually morality tales. This is where Tyler Perry got his start also. Oh. Yeah. So it's a really interesting facet of the entertainment industry that doesn't really happen as much in California as much as it does in like Chicago and Hotlanta. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, but it's a huge thing out there. So this was a big deal that he had gotten an audition for it. And he had to reveal to them that he couldn't read. And they were like, that's okay. We just want to hear you sing. And after hearing them sing, the producer of the play was like, forget this play. We're going to make you a star. Oh, okay. So people say that to me a lot. <laughs> Just on the street, they're like, yeah. "Forget this salad." <laughs> so that producer was Barry Hankerson. So Barry Hankerson is super important. He became R. Kelly's manager and helped produce his first solo album. But more importantly than all of that, he introduced R. Kelly to his fifteen-year-old niece and new performer on their label, Aaliyah. Oh, yeah. How old is he? Wait, how old is he at this point? 24. How old were the people they're looking for to do these plays? Um, I mean, it's not a kid's play. Oh, it's not. It's It's like, okay, it is. Okay. Um, so he was like 24 when he met Barry Hankerson. Um, so he probably first met Aaliyah when she was about 12, but didn't really take an active role in her life at all until she was about 15 from what we can tell. So he's 27 to her 15. Okay. Yeah. Um, he wrote and produced all but one song on her first album. Hmm. Like, every single one. It's a good album. Yeah, the album is called Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and remember, written entirely by R. Kelly. So, uh. let's explore some lyrics. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, the first one is from the title track, Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. Take my hand and come with me. Let me show you to ecstasy. 
Boy, be brave, don't be afraid, because tonight we're going to go all the way. Don't mean to be bold, got to let you know, I got a thing for you, and I can't let go. Yeah. Okay. So, that seems slightly tamer than what we're going to get into. I was going to say, this is not so bad. That sounds like a lot of songs. It could, it could go either way. Um, but right around that same year, he included her on a special version of his song, Your Body's Calling. And these are the lyrics for that. You see, I'm wise enough to know when a body's calling me. Yes, I am. So here I am to save you in your sexual time of need, baby. Woo. 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 <laughs> so many miles away, here at morning, noon, or night, or day. Now here I am to satisfy your every little need. Yeah, from 1 to 12, tell me what you want from me. Don't you hesitate, baby. Don't be afraid of me. Because your wish is my will. So speak now and tell the truth. Where is it mostly wet, baby? And our Kelly to the rescue. Ew. Yes, that makes your skin crawl, yeah, doesn't I'm it? grossed out. I'm super grossed out. <laughs> super, super grossed out. They were married in a private ceremony, but when the marriage came out in the tabloids, it was quickly annulled on the basis that she had lied about her age. So allegedly, she had said she was 18 when they filled out the marriage certificate. So here's my frustration, and it'll come up a lot. No one is checking anyone's goddamn IDs. Like, yeah. I don't know what was going on in the 90s, but holy crap, check an ID. Have you seen the 90s? I mean, I lived through them. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Looking back, it, it, was, yeah. it was a time. It was a time. Um, so, it was a private ceremony, but there were people there. Well, yeah, obviously her parents or someone signed off on this. Her uncle. Okay. And there were people there that knew her actual age and didn't stop it. So that frustrates me. Well, he had to know her actual age. Well, he knew like, her for sure. I, I feel like everyone there but the officiant. They knew yeah. Her actual age, yeah. Which is frustrating because I'm like, you know what's going on. Yeah. And you know that it shouldn't be okay. Like it's age is a number, and some numbers are illegal. It's so a not super gonna... super real thing. Yeah. Following his record successes, um, Kells went back to the high school that he had failed out of. And he would routinely go to choir practice, led by his old choir teacher, and reportedly was picking up 14 and 15-year-old girls at these choir practices. Gross! Pretty gross. Um, as a quote from his choir teacher said, I don't know what he did outside of school, but in the school there was no hanky-panky. If they were involved in that, the sad thing is it takes two to tango. And I'm here to say absolutely no. Uh, what? No, it does not take you to tango. You have a 24-year-old guy and a 14... A 24-year-old famous guy. Yeah. And 14-year-old girls. You kidding me? No. Yeah, no. There's no two tangoing. That's no. an adult taking advantage of a child. Of a child. Not okay. That's so weird. That made me really angry. That's his, so bad. His relationship with his teacher's a little weird, too where they would travel together and like his, his relationships with women seem to be one of two things where they are either a sexual object or they are domineering and control. Pedaling back a second. Here's what pisses me off. People will make so many exceptions for someone who's famous or who they think will advance their career. It drives me fucking crazy, especially when it comes to men and sexual assault and whatnot. They always make exceptions. If the guy is rich and famous and can advance them or, you know, is a fucking NBA superstar, people will forgive it. Yeah. But if he was not that, 
Oh, yeah. That's like, and as I was reading his autobiography, I was like, if this was anyone else, you'd be like, so this person became a serial killer? Well, yeah. Well, but, and, and people wouldn't be okay with it. Right. Do you think they would have been cool with Aaliyah marrying him if he was just some guy that worked she at the Jiffy the Lube? Street. Like, yeah, no, no, she wouldn't have been okay with No. It. He also, it's interesting to note, doesn't mention that at all in his autobiography. No, of course not. Like, there, there are documents, like, showing it, but he doesn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thus begins a stream of court cases. So he met many girls through these choir visits. The first lawsuit for underage sexual conduct started in 1996, only a year after his marriage to Aaliyah was dissolved. However, it alleged that he had been involved with the girl in question before he married Aaliyah. And how old was the girl now? Um, now she's... Not like now, now, but I mean um, now then. <laughs> oh, she was still in her teens. So here's, well, she was, I think, early 20s by the time she was suing. Here's the tricky thing. So she was 14 or 15 when they started sleeping together. The statute of limitations in Illinois is three years, or at least used to be. I don't know if that's still the case, but at the time, it was three years. So girls had to file if they wanted to catch him in a criminal lawsuit within three years. After those three years, they could only sue. But this girl in particular... They started at 14 or 15, and then they had a relationship until she was 18. And then then she was too old. And then he met Aaliyah. Wow. So he traded her in for a younger model. But by that point, it's you're at three years, essentially, and she's an adult. So she filed a lawsuit with a law firm that had reportedly handled many of his cases. So there's one law firm that's handled, like, half a dozen or whatever R. Kelly cases, and she thought that would mean that they would, like, really help her out, but all they would do is just pressure people to settle. Yeah, of course. So it's essentially a law firm that was just like constantly getting settlements from R. Kelly. You know, either legitimately or illegitimately, but constantly getting settlements. So instead of basically ensuring that these girls had days in court, they would get settlements. So after a seven-hour deposition for her lawsuit, she ended up settling for $250,000 and signing a non-disclosure agreement that she just recently broke, like, a couple months ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's another girl. So everyone knows about the famous court case where they found a video of him allegedly peeing on a girl. Right. I believe the reason that that court case, that he got off was that he was like, you can't prove that it's me in that video. That video could have been altered. Ugh. Here's the thing. So the next girl that he met, he met at that trial. Oh my god! Yes. Ew. She even like going back was like, I saw that girl at a party. Like I know it was true. I know it was that girl, but at the time I just ignored it. Yeah. So he met her. She was waiting outside the courthouse every single day and would sometimes sneak in. She was skipping school because she was convinced R. Kelly was innocent. She talked to the news, told the news camera she was eighteen. Yeah. And she was only fifteen at the time. So my god. Yes. So after seeing her on the news, he invited her to a party, and then they started a relationship after that. So she's another one who has just recently broken her non-disclosure. Jeez. But here's the crazy thing. That, that trial was a really, really interesting part of the story because he, he didn't get convicted. And a lot of the families that are now dealing with their daughters having been involved with R. Kelly cite that trial where they're like, well, he was innocent. It's like, no, no, no. He mm. wasn't convicted, but that doesn't mean he was innocent. Right. So, 
right around the same time, 1996, he released I Believe I Can Fly mm-hmm. uh, for the classic movie Space Jam yeah. at the request of his personal friend Michael Jordan. Such a good movie. Uh, so sources claim that at that time he would have assistants ball up his phone number on like pieces of paper and hand it to the girls that he found attractive. Many potentially underage. Uh, in later years, more recently, he would just give actual phones out. So at this moment, I would like to show you some shots from the music video for I Believe I Can Fly. Okay. So this is the choir for I Believe I Can Fly. Okay. Now... Those are children. Yes. <laughs> most I'm looking those, at children. Most of those are teenage girls. Oh, there's the cover for Aaliyah's AJ Nothing But a Number where R. Kelly's just standing off. Being a fucking back, creep in the background. Being a fucking creep. So here's the orchestra from I Believe I Can Fly. Also children. Also children. Or, or pre-teens, teenagers. Pre-pubescent. Again. Child. Children. Except for that guy. He's bald. Except for that guy. Yeah, or I don't think he's... be a bald kid. Oh, now I'm sad. No. <laughs> Maybe edit that out so I don't look like I'm being no, fun of. No, that's fine. <laughs> oh, no. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> like, sources have denied that he was giving out his numbers, but there's a lot of girls from that time period. And because they had everyone sign non-disclosure agreements, we may never know. Well, and sources deny it. Who are the sources? His friends? Um, sources <laughs> you know what I mean? tended to be... Oh, yeah, his friends are denying it. Yeah. And, and his manager and his lawyer are denying it. Yeah, of course. Um, sources for information from the inside are usually former girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, in 1996, he married a more age-appropriate dancer from his background dancing troupe, and they have... She was nine. <laughs> she was 22. <laughs> uh, they have three children together. Okay. So... He mentions her a lot on his most recent album, The Buffet. Okay. Which, like... The Buffet. The Buffet. To give you an idea, the cover of The Buffet is just R. Kelly sitting at a whole table full of different kinds of salads and one plate of Oreos. The Oreos are a reference to a song on Black Panties. I'm pretty sure the salads are, like, a butt play thing, but part of me is like, just call it the salad bar. Yeah. Also, this is a table, not a buffet. Well, and R. Kelly's never been one to really use, like, a lot of metaphor. So why doesn't he just, I mean... I mean, there's one song called Sex Planet that is all metaphor, but it's real badly done. Well, I still feel like he's pretty obvious with his choices. That's true. I mean, he does at one point just say, my sex rocket's full of fuel, and it's, I mean... Okay, so, I mean, that's about (laughs) as thinly veiled as he gets. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean... As evidenced by when we get to Trapped in the Closet later, nothing is thinly veiled. He literally takes his own life and puts it in this movie. So, yeah. (laughs) Dicey. So, the next girl that came forward, um, she is largely remained anonymous. uh, But he met her when she was 17 on a music video set. So, 17 is technically of age in Illinois. But there have been multiple young girls on video sets, photos, etc. His assistant gave her the number. They talked on the phone. They had phone sex. And then when she turned 18, he flew her out to Chicago where they had sex until she found out he was married. Ew. Yeah. So I went through his videos and pulled some screenshots. So this is Ignition the Remix. This is the girl he met outside the courthouse, or at least it very much looks like her. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, do any of these girls look over 18 to you? I don't 
think so. This one specifically to me looks young. She looks like a child. The she one on the far right. She's probably of age. Probably. She looks maybe 18 or 19. Yeah. But these three, and it's really interesting because they're nowhere else in the video. I watched that whole video and like literally just saw it and like snagged it. The rest yeah, they're not the even like fully developed. They're not even fully developed. They're definitely young. The weird thing about this video is that they're also the darkest skinned girls in this video. And that comes up a lot, especially most recently in some of, as we're finding out more and more about the girls that have been in kind of his harem in the past. He targets girls from his old neighborhood. And so even when he has girls that are not from his old neighborhood, like the girl that's come forward with the most information was white. Mm -hmm. And she even said, I was the only white one, but I was allowed to leave and go as I pleased. Weird. Very. It's troubling. It's so sad. sad. It is super sad because he's like specifically targeting people from a poor neighborhood and being like, I can get you out. I can make you. That's like so many people do that to kids like that. And it's so fucked. It's real fucked. Well, some of the girls that he found from the choir, he would pull them into the recording studio and have all night recording sessions. And they sang backup tracks on his songs and Leah's songs. There's no word as to whether or not they've been compensated for that. Mm. I mean, they may have been, maybe it was built into their settlements, but yeah, and then pulls them in for videos. Like, this girl, that's, she's a teenager. Oh, at, yeah. At best. Yeah, she's young. But she, to me, looked the most like one of the girls that there are other pictures of. Okay. But then here's from even earlier. This is from the Bump and Grind video. That's the front row. Those are definitely children. Those are children. Like, 12, 13, 14 at best. I, don't, I wouldn't even touch 14. Yeah. I don't think... And the back behind them, not much better. No, those are ki- and those are those are kids. Yes. So this is a crowd of kids on a song about fucking. Ugh. Yeah, it's dicey. One woman has been in the news probably the most recently because her parents are trying to get her back. They filed missing personal reports. They've done all kinds of stuff. The only problem is she has now turned eighteen. So once you're 18 or 17, in this case, depending on where you are in the country, you are allowed to do what you want. You know, if you want to go live with R. Kelly forever, you can live with R. Kelly forever. If you want to join a cult forever, you can do that. So her parents have been trying to prove that either A, she's held there against her will, or B, that he took her when she was underage. Okay. So... She um, was told that he would help her music career. Of course. And she's very, very talented. They did do a video interview with her recently where she refused to say who she was living with or where she was or if she was free to go. She just said that she was, uh, I'm okay. Like, she wouldn't give any other information. So that's been troubling. So that kind of brought all the other girls out of the woodwork. Of Like, I settled years ago. I'm breaking my non-disclosure agreement. And then this third girl who had no non-disclosure agreement she has given us the most information so she's anonymous still they've given her fake names you know for fear of reprisal but she's talked to a couple different news outlets so she was part of the entourage but not treated as one of his girls she said she spoke out after the other news story because she found out that the other girls couldn't leave 
Because that was the thing. She was allowed to just fly and go back to her home or just leave and do as she pleased. She got to keep her phone. She, you know, wasn't under the same level of scrutiny as the other girls. And so she figured the other girls were doing the same. So when she found out that that wasn't the case, that's when she's kind of broken her silence. Yeah. So she said R. Kelly claims to have raised one of the girls since she was 14 or 15, but there's no identification of who that girl was. And there's no, like, it's not in writing. It's it's hearsay. It's she's like, I heard this once. So you can't really, like, use it as evidence necessarily. Yeah. In fact, all of this is going to be her, essentially, testimony. But it's, again... Hearsay, mm-hmm. because we're just getting it third party. Sure. So she says at all times, Kells has like five to six women who he subjects to constant physical, sexual, and psychological control. Um, she says currently right now there's four. So there's two girls, one's 18, one's 19, and then the other two are early 20s. But essentially 18 to 25 is how girl, old these girls are. Um, he routinely records... They're having sex on phones, etc. Um, sometimes having them have sex with each other and recording that as well. So again, this goes back to his abuse as a kid. Yeah, absolutely. That ties straight back. Yeah, exactly. Um, he replaces their phones. So he gives them new phones. So they can't call their family or their family can't call them, I should say. Um, they say he doesn't really text. He only FaceTimes or calls. Yeah, there's no record. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Also that. Also that. Um, He dictates their outfits. He buys their clothes. All that. The girls live separately. They're not allowed to share personal details about each other's lives or comment on each other's appearances. So they don't really know much about each other, either. It's so weird. It's very weird. Um, When they're out, they're not allowed to look at anyone that stay down. Um, they must knock three times before entering rooms, which I find really interesting. R. Kelly has an obsession with people walking in on other people having sex. Well, yeah, because that's what happened to him. Well, that's what happened to him, but it happens like 17 times in Trap in the Closet. Yeah. That's how anyone sees sex in Trap in the Closet. <laughs> Every time. Um, girls are encouraged to tattle on each other. Like if somebody was too friendly to an Uber driver, they're encouraged to like tell R. Kelly about it. Um, one time, a girl looked at another girl's dress, and R. Kelly kicked her chair. Oh, my God. Um, he doesn't make threats necessarily, but the girls are eager to do what he wants. Um, he'll wake them up, like, in the middle of the night while they're sleeping and have them perform sex acts on him or each other. Ugh. So that's, again, going back to his abuse, though. Yeah. Like, waking up to sex, so being, like, groggy and not quite with it, and then immediately being thrown into a sex act. That's, again, his own childhood abuse. He slapped one of them open-handed for being too friendly with a subway employee. How do you even do that? I mean, mean, maybe she was encouraging his sandwich art. I guess. (laughs) Like, I don't want to laugh at it, but I was like, Subway, what can we order in? What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, But that's horrific. She was hit. Um, (laughs) He had one girl run around naked except for one of his chains, and he recorded it. This, again, goes back to his abuser. So his abuser would have him photograph her walking around naked. So he does this now with the girls, too. It's, it's dicey. Because none of them are currently underage, there's technically no crime. Um, she says they can technically leave whenever they want, but 
all they have is his phone, no money, and with fear of reprisal, it's not easy. I mean, it's a powerful dude. Well, and they're all completely mind-fucked at this yeah. point. And they well, have- and they're all, I mean, if the idea that if you leave, any chance at a music career is gone. Whether or not that chance was real to begin with. Right, I was going to say. Yeah, because you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, he refers to all of them as baby girl and asks them to call him daddy. Gross, I hate that. I hate it as well. Um, so one of the girl, the girl that was basically coming clean, she offered proof in the form of a photo taken while he was asleep. So she had it. It's not that interesting. <laughs> I would have included it in the photo stream, but it's just like a 50 year old man asleep on a couch. Yeah. Um, she was different. So her phone was never taken. She was slightly older. She never signed a non-disclosure and she was white. She said the other girls were considerably younger than her, all black. None of them had their phones. They weren't allowed to speak out of turn. Like, it, it was a very marked difference between the way she was treated and the other girls. That's were so weird and yeah. terrible. It's very terrible. It's, and it's one of the things that many of the articles brought up where they were like, hey, people just kind of let this guy skate. Like, no one said anything. He got off on that one case and everyone just kind of hasn't addressed it again, but he's preying on yeah. girls that are in his old neighborhood. They're, extremely susceptible many of their parents are like well we thought yeah know, of he's course. a music guy he's like he we figured he was innocent it's it's That's, not good but again that goes that happens so much with sports and music yeah. oh yeah i mean i had a creepy basketball coach that weird shit not it, nothing happened with me but my mom you know was all like always with me but there yeah. were parents who were just like oh he's the best like people go yeah. with him yeah and you know, come to find out he's doing terrible things with these kids. Of course. And that's so common in music and in sports when there's someone who's talented and they want their kid to succeed, especially in a neighborhood where they're not given a ton of opportunities. Right. I mean, think about the neighborhood where it's like you could play basketball or you could be famous like R. Kelly and that's how you're going to get out of the neighborhood. Right. Like, of course you want to take up R. Kelly on his offer to come be famous. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even like, even if it wasn't R. Kelly, like, I, you'd be hard-pressed to find a person that would turn down an opportunity to, quote-unquote, become famous, offered by someone who is already famous. If that's, like, what they're looking... If they're looking for a route to success, I mean, yeah, it's just... So guys in those authority positions who have success, they can so quickly abuse that power. Yeah. 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 It's so wrong. Not the first, won't be the last. No, Bill but, Cosby did it, too. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. It's like, you look at this, and it, it mirrors... So much of that, my God. you know, it's very, very similar. Except he's not drugging them; he's just right. brainwashing them, essentially. Right. So uh, let's lighten the mood a little bit. Okay. This has been rough, and let's talk about trapped in the closet. Oh my God! So trapped in the closet has been R. Kelly's. Like he's he's released a couple albums, but his main pet project for the last. 10 years. I was going to say decade. Yeah, at least a decade at this point has been his Trapped in the Closet series. Um, I meant to bring it today so I could force you to watch portions of it and I forgot the DVD. You don't need to. Maggie, Meredith, Vanessa, (laughs) Stephanie and I, we sat there, we have watched it now. I think you've seen more than I have, but I know for sure we saw the first 12. Yeah, okay. So I have seen all the way through 33. Yeah, okay. Um, You're more informed than I am. I have episodes 1 through 22 on DVD. DVD? On DVD. So if you have them on DVD, 
you have access to R. Kelly's commentary track. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Next time we will watch that. Yeah. So I, that is what I watched because I've seen our, you know, Trapped in the Closet a number of times. I, I had never seen it all the way through the commentary track. I used to tell jokes about his commentary track because it's insane. So, you know, when you normally watch a commentary track on a movie, it's just a voiceover. Like you're just yeah. watching the movie, but you can hear voices. Not R. Kelly. No, it's like cameras on him. Um, yes. So he's sitting in like a comfy chair watching the movie on like a big screen. And just talking about it? Yeah, like, just turning around to the camera to talk about it. But he has no useful information. Oh, of course not. Um, what information could there possibly be? Those videos well, are fucking ridiculous. That's the thing. So R. Kelly, for some reason, I think he must think that the commentary track is for people who didn't understand the movie. Who did? I mean, <laughs> nobody. Uh, so he will turn around and be like, see what I'm wearing, the black suit, I'm the narrator. And you're like... Yeah, I got I, that. I got it. I did get that. I got it. Uh, he did reveal <laughs> the only reason he used the word Beretta is because it rhymed in the sentence. Yeah. Routine, like, more than once, he'll be like, man, this rhyming, I don't know how I do it. Like, so oh my many God. times. Um, he explains the word cliffhanger. Oh, good. Thank you. Like 150 times. He does not understand what cliffhanger means. Well, he probably thinks he does, and he's so excited that yes. he's like... It's his word of the day. It's his word of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Because he'll be like, all, they all have so many different cliffhangers. I was like, that's not... What? No. No. This is, it's not really a cliffhanger when it follows up with right. well, what happens immediately after. He'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll use cliffhanger in place of, like, character traits. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, where it'll be like, so like, she's in love with a midget, like all these different cliffhangers. I'm like, that's... No. 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 Um, If you haven't seen Trapped in the Closet... um, Block out a day. Call in sick. It's only an hour and a half long. It feels so much longer. Uh, It does suck you in. It is free on YouTube, so you you can watch it without giving him money. Um, It's only an hour and a half for all 33? It's an hour and a half for 1 through 22, and then um, 23 through 33 are a little spotty. They're kind of shorter. Okay. Yeah. They're a little weird. Um, Well, I know what I'm doing with my weekends. (laughs) There you go. Um, So, Trapped in the Closet is essentially R. Kelly's rent. Would you say? Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, because essentially it's a story about everyone is sleeping with everyone and everyone gets AIDS. Yeah. That is the story of Trapped in the Closet. Yeah, it is. But he tries to throw it like in the commentary track. He's like, see, maybe what you think is going to happen is not going to happen. And I was like, no, they all have AIDS, right? No, yeah. They all. Yeah. Like, unless this one character's in the hospital because of a car crash, like that's not catching. Right. And then they never address it in the later episode. <laughs> <laughs> so you know um part of the problem with that is that his trail for passing aids doesn't hold up okay so this is again a case of him not understanding how sex works right so he essentially he sleeps with the wife of a pastor that pastor is having an affair with a deacon who happens to be gay. Then his wife sleeps, or I'm sorry, R. Kelly's wife sleeps with a policeman who is sleeping with his wife, who is sleeping with a stripper who is also a little person named Big Man. 
That's the whole circle of who's sleeping with who. So in the commentary track, R. Kelly even was saying, he was like, man, like, how's my character supposed to feel? Because, like, I've been sleeping with Kathy, and she's been sleeping with Rufus, and Rufus has been sleeping with Chuck. So it's almost like I've been sleeping with Chuck. And I was like, "Mm, not quite. I was like, as far as diseases go, sure. Sure. But I would say your likelihood of contracting the disease lessens. Yeah. The further you get down that ladder. Down that chain, yeah. Um, but also, he he presents it as if it's like, it's almost like, I'm sleeping with Chuck. I'm not gay. <laughs> I'm like... No, no one said you. No that's one said not, you were. That's not even... Not like, how that works. He portrays homosexuality in this piece very strangely. I don't think he understands how it works. He does not. Um, I can almost guarantee he's, he's Yeah, it's, No. Um, <laughs> almost every single sex scene is discovered mid-act. So people are constantly walking around and having sex. Yeah. Um, the, the way it works is you're essentially seeing one day. So it's like this person walks in on this person who walks in on this person mm-hmm. who walks in on this person. So it would have had to have been going for a long time for that whole <laughs> circle of people to get AIDS. Right. But essentially they present it as if we all discovered it that day and now we're all going to stop. Which would mean that the cycle of AIDS would stop at R. Kelly's wife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. It's super confusing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kells also identifies within this and then also within some of his other work. Um, he views sex in two different ways. There's like two different kinds of sex with Kells. There's either like raunchy, rough, terrible, like party sex. Or... There's sex to give a woman a baby, and that is considered the highest form of sex. And that is correct sex. (laughs) (laughs) Get the yogurt, girl. Get the Um, yogurt. So that he has a couple songs that mention this too, where it's like, I like a girl so much I want to give her a baby. Like that's I hate that phrase, by the way. Give you a baby, give her a baby. Like (laughs) that's not that's not what I asked for. (laughs) It's not what I signed up for. Oh, yeah. Please don't give me a baby. Put that back. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thanks. Um, but so there, there doesn't seem to be much of an in-between. It's like, it's like it's rough and it's hard and it's, you know, really tawdry or it's giving someone a baby. Um, once again, <laughs> R. Kelly does not have a complex understanding of interpersonal relationships. No. Um, he bleeps 80% of the profanity in the story. Just 80. Yeah, just 80. Well, and part of me, I wondered if he was expecting it to be a huge thing, kind of like those plays that tour churches. This is probably his version of it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, He considers in the story, so part of the story is he is cheating on his wife and comes in in the morning to find her cheating on him, essentially. Right. God, it's been so long since I've seen it. I know. Um, Even in the commentary... He basically argues that her cheating was more wrong. Of course he does. Because it was in his house. Whatever. And I was like, equally wrong. Yeah, everybody's wrong here. You were out cheating. You have no right to get mad when you come home and she's also cheating. Right. Um, He's fixated on each couple's weird sex quirks. So, like, in the commentary, he's like, see... Bridget is telling the policeman that she's got, like, pears and honey upstairs because she, like, they like to get weird with pears and honey. Like, you know, they've got their own little thing. And he talks about it for, like, ten minutes. Where I was like, I don't know why they do pears and honey. 
I'm trying to figure. I mean, honey, you could probably figure out, but pears? Yeah, but there's like sugar in it. Oh, Why specifically like, pears? I don't know. And I was like, those aren't even like they're not a local fruit to Chicago. <laughs> like, I'll take this taste buds in Chicago. So I'm like, she had to find pears. I guess it could be like a big butt plug. I maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's Omar from The Wire. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Wire. That's good show. Good show. This not so much. No. Um. He's amazed by his own rhymes, but also the symbolism of closets. Mm. So he consistently explains what a narrator is and then points out closets in every room. Oh, well, thank you. That is helpful. He's like, there's closets all over the damn place. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, No one ever questions where people are in this story. Okay. So he and Tuan are off, like gallivanting for a whole like six episodes and then his wife just calls and is like what do you want for dinner and he was just like oh i don't know lasagna or whatever and she's like cool and hangs up i was like you don't want to know where he is yeah like not to be overbearing but i'm like he doesn't seem to have a regular job he has been gone for six days he's been gone for six days with a gun like maybe ass um so it's really interesting at one point in the movie a character describes how she walked on in on her husband cheating on her. And she uses the same words that R. Kelly used to describe his own abuse. Oh, that gave me the chills. I mean, like, almost the same sentence. Oh, uh, I don't Yeah, know. it was very upsetting. Uh, at one point, he pauses the commentary to get a Hennessy. As one does. <laughs> As one does. Um, but what he doesn't pause it for is to eat something. So he's giving the commentary with his mouth full. Gross! But here's the eating. Okay, so he... Pears and honey? No, so he unwraps it in a packet, and I couldn't quite tell if he was kind of, like, tearing it apart. I think it's an Uncrustable. Oh. And I couldn't see close. I kept I feel goes. like it was an Uncrustable. Yeah, I was like, is he fucking eating an Uncrustable in the middle of this document? And I was like, and also, could they not take a second take? They were just like, yeah. no, nah, Kels is going to eat an Uncrustable. We're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> So I figure I was like, this will lighten the mood a little bit after a very, very, very yeah. dark episode. Um, oh my god, I bet it wasn't uncrustable because I feel like he would have childlike tastes. He does. That's part of the alarming thing about this case is that like so many parts of him are childlike. Well, like oh, watching that commentary, it's like watching a child describe a movie to you. A lot of times, and I am no psychologist or psychiatrist or anything of the sort, but I do know that a. <laughs> Sorry, my dog just trotted in here like he had something to say. Um, a lot of times, it, from what I, my understanding is that people, when they've had experienced a trauma in their childhood, a lot of times they kind of stay stuck in that they age. They stagnate at that age. Right. Like Michael Jackson. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that it's uncrustable kind of makes sense. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things like that where, like, um, he, he still plays basketball. He's obsessed with basketball. Um, he was shot as a child. That was another, like, oh. go over it. It wasn't that important, but. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. I mean, it was, it was in the midst of him being molested. He was shot yeah. As a child. Jesus. Yeah, in a drive-by. Oh my God. As, like, a 10-year-old. That's awful. It's terrible. But here's the thing, though. Like, yeah, I, I feel like it did kind of stagnate him, and it definitely colored his sexual relationships later on. For like, sure. Like, he is stuck in a cycle. Like, I know we'll never get to hear what Aaliyah's relationship was like, but I feel like we would hear more of the same of what we've heard. Like, he's 
consistently a predator. He's going to keep going until somebody stops him. Oh, of course. Which is, like, that's why I'm having trouble listening to Ignition the Remix, because I'm like, he's still out there. He's walking free, and these women are left to deal with this for the rest of their lives. I mean, you're a 15-year-old that got exploited by a huge star. So sad. Who just gave you money to go away. Like, that's horrific. It is horrific. And controlled your life. Like, it is as bad as being in one of any of the other cults that we cover. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Mind control and everything. Yes. It was one of those things where I was like, well, this isn't what we would normally traditionally think of as a cult, but it's got all the earmarks of, like, all of the horrible, horrible things that happen to these girls are the same as, like, you know, the Yellow Deli cult or, you know, Sai Baba. It's, It's that control and isolation. Absolutely, yeah. And it's a problem. So It's a big problem. Yeah. Hopefully they can get to the bottom of it because, I mean, I know that I read, everybody read that BuzzFeed article and yeah. it seems like it's it's tough because, like you said, they are adults yes. and they're going over there and it's like, well, they're not showing signs of physical abuse right. or neglect or, you know, anything. I think part of the problem is they're adults now, but we don't right. know if they were always adults. No. And... I think a huge problem with it is people, like, people read that BuzzFeed article, and they're like, oh, weird. And then a week later, Ignition, the remix, comes on the radio, and they're just like, yay! Like, there's no, there's no connection of, like, oh, this is the music of somebody who hurt so many people, and he's singing about it. Mm -hmm. Like, Black Panties is literally just all about crazy sex. He has an obsession with oral sex, specifically in his songs. Well, didn't you say that that, that women woke him molested. up? Like, and that's how he his molestation and he, started? And he wakes girls up now and has them do it to him. God. Yeah. It, it is dark. It's a vicious cycle. Real abuse. dark. So, enjoy that Uncrustable. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my God. Um, so, if you think you're in a cult. Call a friend from your R. Kelly phone. Dial 911. You know what? More and more with these cases, I think everybody needs to memorize three phone numbers. That yes. is what I have tasked you to do. Memorize three phone numbers of someone who you know would never join a cult. And would help <laughs> you if you did. Right, right, right. Be like, okay, mom, my old boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And or call 911, reach out to someone in the public, or Visit www.coltwatch.org for more tips. And if you're one of these girls, I don't think you're listening, but if you happen to be, you don't have to stay there. Like, no. You can still be successful without him. That's not how someone shows love. And if anything, he's not going to get you the success that he promised at this point. Well, it'll be and tied to him. I yeah. Mean, you are all wonderful, beautiful women who I'm sure are incredibly talented. And I'm you sure can they totally are. come out of this. You're not broken. You can totally be an amazing lady. Stay strong and do it without him. Yeah, and you can leave. Leave, please. So don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't drink the Kool-Aid.